<laughs> what was the music there? That's pretty much our music. Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Travis. This is Victoria. And today, we're going to talk about I for... Initiative. Uh, So this is the Dungeon Chatter podcast, and uh, as you may recall from uh, many, many weeks ago... uh, (laughs) 16, according to... 16 weeks? Yeah, 16 weeks, according to um, Apple. That's a long time. When we first started, not, no, not how long our break. That, was. that no. was how November or something. Well, oh look. wait, I don't know. I don't know. Offhand now. All right. So um, at any rate, um, this is the Dungeon Chatter podcast, and what we do is we talk about um, RPG design. And every episode, uh, which apparently is either every two weeks or every two months, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> depends on the mood. Um, we take an. Uh, a letter. We go alphabetically, and we talk about one concept um, relevant to RPG design based for, on that letter. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, last time we talked about H was for house rules. House rules, and now we've got initiative. And so, uh, what we're going to do, I guess, first of all, is explain what uh, initiative is. Mm-hmm. What's the concept? Uh, we'll talk about a couple different systems. Um, we're gonna inc- we're gonna have the pitch, including two options mm-hmm. for initiative crazy mind-blowing <laughs> and then we'll do some troubleshooting uh but before we do that i just wanted to remind you a couple things um so check out the show notes at the end or the, the kind of victoria mm-hmm. talking at the end um for some social media place to check out uh, but remember one of the things that we're doing as we create this rpg is well we're creating the rpg and then we're play testing um and so uh, this is a new initiative system. This this initiative system that we're talking about today is not one we've used in the game yet. Yeah, I think we were were we just rolling d20s to see who would go first, or was it? It was skill based, uh, d20 skill based modifier. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about what all that means, and then we'll do some uh, play testing. Let's see how it goes. Sounds good. All right. The idea of initiative. Mm-hmm. The short version of initiative is just two attacks first. Yeah. Yeah. Very simplified. Uh, but as it turns out, mm-hmm. uh, we had about, mm-hmm. what, an hour-long chat maybe. Oh, I think maybe even longer. Yeah. In which we talked through a, f- a few kind of fundamental concepts, right? So, again, that, that idea of initiative is just there are two uh, two combatants or more, whatever, however many combatants there are, um, and someone is going to land the blow first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the kind of general idea behind initiative. But as it turns out, uh, combat is a lot more complex than that. Not just in this RPG, but I think in just about any RPG. Uh, yeah, also video games and mm-hmm. stuff that aren't, you know, just free action. There's a lot of turn-based and how those turns work, initiative like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so I thought that what we would do is talk through um, how we're conceiving of... So how we think about attacks damage hit point stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, initiative. And we'll do initiative third just because of the way that it feeds into that. Um, okay, and so one way to think about the attack role is that um, that's the only attack, like this represents your actual attack. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's a long history of thinking that that's strange, right? So in D and D, a combat round used to be one minute, mm-hmm. uh, and so the idea was that a first level character could score, well, could swing once in a minute, in, in a way, right? But that's not yeah. what D and D thought of it as, yeah. right? Uh, so it thought of it rather as um, this is your one att- one chance to land a telling blow, mm-hmm. say, um, which is again a little bit weird because mm-hmm. a telling blow might just be if you're a wizard like one hit point or something, yeah. right? Uh, but that's the general idea. So this telling blow, this idea that this is a blow that makes a difference, as opposed to all the other little stuff that you're doing, like you're fainting or you're parrying or you're setting someone up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sound fair? Yeah. Um, All the stuff that you might consider flavor, if you're used to flavor versus what the rules say, in in that sense. Uh, like I, yeah, yeah like if your your DM asks you to embellish what goes on as you do whatever your one attack is, they might give you a bunch of like so you jump to the side and you swing your hammer down with both hands and at the last second you punch him in the face and he dies. <laughs> All of that might be considered flavor, but apparently the original D&D, that was part of that minute. All of those things were considered in Mm -hmm. part of that minute. Right. And then D&D changed their combat round to um, six seconds. Um, And I think that they followed, uh, don't quote me on this, but uh, Middle Earth role-playing Rollmaster had either a six or a ten second uh, combat round. Um, And that's sort of the default that we settled on in playing I mean, for the last 20 years or so, a combat round has been six seconds to me. 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, combat round is six seconds. Um, and there are, I guess, some good reasons for that. Uh, and so that's why if you see a character who has one attack and you're like, really, I can like stab a dagger one time in six seconds? Mm-hmm. No, you could. I mean, I guess you could probably stab a dagger like 10 times in six seconds and, and do like almost no damage. Yeah. Miss a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you're not even trying to hit someone, just swing your dagger. A bunch <laughs> you're just, of... you know, flailing your arms wildly. Um, Level one characters. So, again, so that's what the, the, the attack role then represents. Um, yeah, so one way of thinking about it is that, that as the attack. But another way of thinking about it is what I struggle to say sometimes, the cumulative effects of mm-hmm. things that you're doing. Uh, and so I had a really cool idea in mind, like a good demonstration of this uh, in the... Uh, so think about this in the attack damage idea, right? So we've talked about attack. Mm-hmm. Um, when Luke is fighting Vader uh, in episode, what? Six. Six. And he's like driving him back across that, like to that catwalk and Vader's falling down. Um, so if we're thinking of hit points as just what your body can sustain, then it's not clear that Vader suffered any hit points of damage at all until he was on the ground and has his hand chopped off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't. His skin wasn't broken. The lightsaber never touched him, but he was clearly getting weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and, and interestingly, if he had just if they had just stopped there, then maybe in like five seconds, Vader could have stood up and stood up, and he would have been perfectly fine, mm-hmm. like undamaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is why I I think about um, the attack roll as a a cumulative thing and why we have to think of hit points I think also as a kind of not just what your body can sustain but what you can sustain mm-hmm. as a character um, and so that's why well we'll talk about the blacksmith example that mm-hmm. we talked about yeah and so that's why I think uh, so how many attacks did Luke have there I don't know it could have been one attack Mm-hmm. Right. That's the idea. Or it could have been six, what, six, however many attacks it was. Yeah. I don't know. So this is like 
a miss or maybe it's a hit for minor damage, 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 and then this one serious blow that chops off the hand and essentially defeats mm -hmm. Vader. Uh, sorry about that spoiler. If you, <laughs> if you for don't. all of you kids out there who have yet to to enjoy the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, so that's the attack, right? Mm -hmm. It's either this kind of one thing, um, like the actual attack itself, or it's the setup and all that other stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the idea of uh, hit points or the damage. Um, and so is the damage, the, the physical damage that you're doing to the body, um, or is it rather just wearing down their defenses and tiring them out and doing all that good stuff? Um, and so I think of uh, the attack as a kind of cumulative thing, and I think of the damage as that kind of cumulative thing. So over and above the damage that the body suffers. Mm -hmm. That's how I think of it. Makes sense. Yeah. Now... I had some trouble with that. <laughs> I'm used to thinking of it in the D&D &D way, uh, just because that's what I'm most familiar with. And I'd never considered, because some of the language is a little, like, there is a thing called a parry, and there is a thing called a repost. And these are things that, if you're thinking about it as the cumulative effort of all of the things you do in six seconds of combat, it seems weird that it's an abstraction of all of those things, but also there are these specific things that do those, like actions that you could consider the abstract of an attack so i'll buy that mm -hmm. yeah so think about i'm now i'm thinking of another example um where uh so legolas is uh, i guess some movie archers recently have started doing this where they're not just um shooting their arrows they're actually like beating people with their bows and i yeah. know legolas did it and what's his name uh hawkeye, oh, hawkeye. hawkeye did yeah because when they run out of arrows they're useless so <laughs> yeah but uh, in legolas's case it's not even when he runs out of arrows he still has arrows but just people have gotten on to him oh, i think he yeah. stabs someone with an arrow and he beats somebody with a bow um and yeah and so it it why would you like purposely choose to say oh rather than shooting my um shooting this arrow that does one die eight damage this is D&D, &D, mm -hmm. uh, second edition. Um, I'm going to um, beat him with this flimsy piece of wood, fairly flimsy piece of wood for like one die four damage. Like strategically you wouldn't do it, mm -hmm. uh, but maybe um, the flavor that's going on is just saying, oh, that's the best you could do this round. Yeah, right. and I don't know about AD&D. Was there uh, penalties at all if they were too close, like if the range wasn't what it should be? Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't remember what that rule was. But yeah. yes, there was. Uh, I don't remember what it is. In, in fact, it may just have prevented five. you from doing it at some point, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's the general idea. Okay. So um, if that's what initiative, rep sorry, if that's what an attack represents and if that's what damage represents, then um, I'm thinking of initiative as who gets to decide, uh, who gets to resolve first, which character's attack thing do we resolve first? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to mean uh, who lands first. In fact, someone could even maybe strategically allow someone to land a blow first in order to catch them in an armbar and break their arm or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Uh, and so that's how we're thinking of initiative. And if we think about it in that way, then there are a couple things that should be <laughs> relevant. Um, one of those things that should be relevant is the, the skill level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'll pause there. So we've got the concept. Mm-hmm essentially who gets to go first but now we've described it in more detail in a more detailed and probably more precise way uh, so it's who gets to resolve the cumulative effects of their action first mm -hmm. that's initiative okay yeah cool 
Um, and now what, I, what we would normally do here is we would discuss a couple different systems mm-hmm. and talk through how those systems handle it. And I wanted to start off with just this distinction between like a, a determinate system and an indeterminate system. Uh, and a determinate system would be like if you play um, tic-tac-toe, mm-hmm. who goes first? X's. And if you play um, checkers? Black. Black goes first, right? So those are just the rules and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then indeterminate systems would be all those systems where there's some kind of indeterminacy built into it. So someone rolls a die, someone flips a coin, someone does whatever. Yeah, right? who's got the oldest or the spinner. closest birthday, <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff like that. A spinner. Oh, yeah. Flip, flick a spinner, mm-hmm. you do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the system that uh, we're using is it's an indeterminate system, but it has a, a kind of flexible piece to it, like a determinate piece to it and an indeterminate piece to it. Uh, all right, so let's talk through. So in addition to um, checkers and tic-tac-toe and all those other games, um, the first set of initiative rules that I was familiar with, I, I can't even say that these were the D&D rules or even AD&D rules, because I'll be honest, we played so many house rules that I cannot remember what were the actual rules and whatever. Yeah, that's fair. And so it went something like this. For initiative, uh, we would roll one die six, and highest goes first. Really? Yes. In AD&D? Yeah. They didn't have initiative modifier built sure. into the game? There was an initiative modifier based on your dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was initiative modifier based on, um, so dexterity and attack type, if it's a spell or a... Um, two-handed sword. I think two-handed sword was 10. I just remember some of these. I think a short sword was a three, a long sword was a five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point we switched over to a D10 for initiative. Interesting. Uh, but again, I don't know if that's because those were the rules um, or because that's how we did it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, see that there would be any benefit or, you know, between D20 or D10 because it would just be determining who's in the rank, not like a statistic or anything. Well, uh, here here's one possible difference. Uh, if you're rolling a d6 and someone has a two-handed sword that has a speed of 10, mm-hmm. they're not going to be you with a short sword because the die range is only 1 to 6, but the two-handed sword is a 10 and your short sword is a 3, mm-hmm. so the difference is a 7. Yeah. Does that make sense? So if the difference between those two weapons is greater than the die, then you're just your two-handed sword is always going to attack last. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And so with the D10, it was at least possible. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, as I can recall, a, a dagger was a speed of two, and a two-handed sword was a 10. So if someone rolls, um, if the dagger rolls a 10, and the uh, two-handed sword rolls a one, then the two-handed sword goes first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so sometimes characters had uh, multiple attacks. Uh, and so uh, you might notice that we're always talking about attacks in combat here. It doesn't have to be combat, um, but those were, all, as with so many of these games, the, the rules are really well uh, developed and suited to combat often, and then everything's kind of fitted in to make sense of that. Yeah. So magic or whatever else, or skills and whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. And so if a character had multiple attacks, then the way that their uh, attacks would go, one rule would be everybody gets their first action, mm-hmm. and then anyone with the second action goes in the same order that they went in for their first action. Oh, so it wouldn't be like one person's turn, they do all of their actions. No. It would be... The same round, but it would be mm-hmm. everyone goes once, and then if you have a second in that order, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. And then we would think of those as turns per round, all right? So you get like you get three turns this round, um, mm-hmm. and then we go on to the next one. Interesting. Yeah. Um, another way that it went was I I think the rule was if you had multiple attacks, they always came 
So if you suppose you roll a five for initiative, then your next attack, if you had one, would come on five plus ten, so fifteen. And if you had another one, it would come on twenty-five. And if you had another one, it would come on thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So those are just different ways um, that different systems have handled it. And again, some of those could be house rules. Some of those might be the rules as written by whatever, um, by uh, TSR at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so typically how combat would go, well, I, I shouldn't even say typically. Sometimes people would say, all right, next round, roll for initiative. Mm-hmm. And we would re-roll. And you could, if you had attack, you could possibly attack last in round one and then first in round two. So basically attack twice mm-hmm. to everyone else's once there. Um, but other times we would just settle into an initiative order and keep going. And there are pros and cons to both those approaches. Mm-hmm. One of the, I mean, one of the pros to keeping the order is just that it's less bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. And one of the cons, um, is, I don't, I, I don't know what you think about this, but maybe there's a lack of realism there, right? So, I mean, things could go different from round to round. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it does seem it, like something that is deliberately based on a dexterity modifier. Seems like it would be as luck based as any other attack or anything. Like it seems like something that could change based on mm. your modifier as it develops or your your status. So it seems like it'd be reasonable to want to roll a die to see if you're still maintaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense, right? So yeah, um, what if you're yeah you're super dexterous and super fast, but you roll poorly and for the whole combat. Your last. Yeah. It might be a bit strange, right? Yeah. We might think, well, at some point, perhaps I should come around. Mm-hmm. Um, another weird wrinkle would be um, uh, if a spellcaster rolled a really bad initiative, mm-hmm. then you would just know that they're always coming at the end of the round. And mm-hmm. so uh, you could uh, try to hit them and disrupt their spell before it comes out. Yeah, yeah you might want to explain that one because I hadn't known about this in AD&D and original D&D. So I, I'm not sure that there's anything that's weird to explain about it. It's just that if a character is preparing a spell um, and you hit them, then their spell could fizzle. They have to check to make sure that they can uh, keep their spell going. So it's like if they if a spell specifically needs so many turns to complete because a lot of D&D, it's one action to complete, so it's like swinging a sword. That is your just one attack for that round. A few of them take like a minute to cast, but normally those uh-huh. are non-combat spells or they're uh-huh. like fleeing spells or something like that. And uh-huh. it, so you, you, it takes 10 rounds of combat to, mm-hmm. to perform it. Um, so that's what I think of when you're saying fizzling the spell by attacking them. It's not very common in what I'm familiar with, so... I just had been... Wait, in so, what you're familiar, they don't make spell ca- uh, spellcraft checks when they're attacked? Only if it's something that they're maintaining concentration or that they've, um, like, have to prepare for so many rounds. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so it right. wouldn't affect normally unless they're doing something abnormal. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <You just> got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here, uh, I'll give you... Uh, this is the problem case, right? So this is the... So the changes, I guess, that D&D has made to, are to address a situation like this. If a spellcaster uh, is, if you're using that initiative where you just stay in the same order, mm-hmm. uh, spellcaster rolls awesome initiative and goes first, they never have to worry about having a spell interrupted. Because really? they'll always go first. Yeah. If a spellcaster goes last, then they always, every round, have to or- worry about um, their spell being interrupted. When do they declare a spell that it, it has a chance of being interrupted? Like, it, it, it's, 
so uh, it doesn't it actually doesn't matter when they declare. So you uh, we this is this isn't something that we mentioned so far, but it, with initiative, it, since it's if it's just dexterity based, uh, then you could everyone just roll their initiative, mm-hmm. and then that's the order they go in. Otherwise, you have a system where you make everyone declare their action and then factor in those modifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if a spellcaster, here are two scenarios. If you're using the one where it's uh, th- your action doesn't matter, it doesn't affect uh, your initiative, uh, then let's see, this is getting complicated. Uh, so yeah. um, you declare, sorry, um, if it comes time to you to cast your spell and you've already been hit and suffered damage, then you have to think, if I want to cast a spell, I have to make a spell casting check. And I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to make it. So I'm just going to stab him with my dagger. I see. Okay, so if they've taken any damage in a round, it's less likely that they're able to use a spell? Okay. Yeah, they just have to make a check. Yeah, normally you don't have to make a check to cast a spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to, if it's like a contact spell, to roll to hit them or something like that. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, and so, uh, or if you have to declare your action at the beginning of the round, this is the alternative, uh, then you you really, really, really want to go first. Because if you don't go first, then there's always a chance that someone could hit you and ruin your action for the round. And people often played that that ca- cost your spell slot then. So your spell fizzled and that was it. Your spell was gone. Wow. Um, okay, and so now, why don't you explain the way that D&D has tried to address that concern with turns? Oh, um... So with 5th edition, they do this thing where the rounds don't matter so much. Like Dad was saying that if you're a spellcaster and you're last in the round, you have to worry about being hit in that round. But if you're first in the round, you don't have to worry at all because nobody in that round has hit you. But in um, 5th edition, there is a system of rounds, uh, which is like from the player that rolled the highest to the player that rolled the lowest. And then it would go on to round 2. But from character to character and the things that they're doing, the rounds don't matter as much as from their turn to their turn. So in that sense, if you were concentrating on something and you were hit at the end of a round, it would still affect you in the next round regardless of where you fall in that initiative order. Until it comes back to your next turn. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? So um, you can see how it's meant to address Mm -hmm. um, that concern. And I think that that's a kind of sensible move. Yeah. Um, all right, so if it's not clear enough yet, initiative is complicated. <laughs> initiative is complicated. It's yeah. pretty complex. Um, it or- seems really simple is the sort of insidious part of it. It's like, oh, hey, I'm number three in the order, so I get to go every third, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff to think about. And we're actually, for what it's worth, we're not going to talk about all the possible wrinkles of initiative today yeah. either. So we're really going to focus just on um, the scenario where everyone has um, one action uh, per round, um, and then those scenarios play out. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, someone could have multiple actions. Um, we allow split die pools that give multiple actions. Uh, so um, we're probably not going to talk about that uh, too much today, but we'll just talk about the general overview of the system. Um, and if D&D isn't complicated enough, um, then there's the, the Rollmaster system, which I think in the past I've mentioned, uh, they use first swing points. And these are, you add up all your first swing points <laughs> based on uh, things like who has a longer weapon that would allow you to strike first. Um, at least when the two groups are meeting, it might actually hurt you if you're close to mm-hmm. one another. 
Um, uh, it, it, do you have a weapon at the ready uh, versus are you drawing a weapon? Um, do you have higher ground could help? Um, all the are, are higher you higher ground? You got to take into account the yeah. Strategically, there's I guess good reason for that. It Pe makes a lot of sense. It just nobody says. <laughs> Oh man, we gotta fight them. Let's get on the low ground so they get a chance to, you know, shoot down. Shoot at down us. at us. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, in one of the Iron Man movies, there's that line where Iron Man says, or um, what's uh, isn't it War Machine? Whatever his name is, says, um, you're in like the the killing zone or the killing plane down there. Uh, so he doesn't want him in that location. All right. The point of all that is just to say that uh, those first swing points are added up. And whoever has the most swing, uh, first swing points, that's who goes first. Um, and Rollmaster resolves um, melee attacks mm -hmm. at the same time. Uh, sorry, in order, fastest to slowest. And then all of the movements happen at the same time. And all the spells happen at the same time. All of the spells happen at the same time? Yeah. Which is a little weird. I was just criticizing a system for making <laughs> separate rules for... Um, uh, sorry for kind of making the rules for combat, uh, melee uh, combat, and then uh, fitting everything else into it. But that's a case where you would wonder, like, why is melee treated as so so different from all the other stuff? Yeah. You know? um, okay. So again, all this is to say, initiative is complicated. Um, White Wolf uses a system. This is the last thing I'll say about initiative. And if you've got something else to say, feel free. Um, White Wolf has a system that I, that goes lowest to highest and allows interruption. And I don't know if that's the White Wolf rules as written or if it was a kind of um, combat supplement that was put out. Uh, but I remember looking at that something in like the 94 or so, right? So we had a, a book that we looked at and looked, this is a pretty cool initiative system. Yeah. And I like the idea of interruption. Um, but it yeah. turns out that it can be complicated to work in. Okay. Cool. All right, so we're going to take a pause. Um, well, we're going to take a break. Yeah, it's not going to no, be a break to you. We're going to take a break, um, and then we're going to come back, it's and we're so... going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, Wait, I needed to learn more pitches so I could throw out some random ones. That's my goal for next episode. It's a slider. It's a sinker. I don't know what any of these are. Okay. I don't know what they mean. I know fastball it's and I know curveball. There you go. Um uh, and so for the purposes of this example, um, we're just going to use um, the kind of setup that we've been using for the last, I don't know, week or so. Uh, for Christmas, we received uh, Doom, the board game, from uh, Luda. So shout out to him for sending that along to us. Thanks, Luda. And so we have uh, three players who have been playing, Victoria, Austin, Erica, and we have me. I've been running the uh, Invaders, kind of like the GM role there. Um, and so we'll talk through as if we have four players or four people uh, involved. And... Um, in order to make this as easy as possible, we're just going to bracket all the difficult concerns and we're just going to suppose four players and four possible action types. And I've written them down so we don't mess up this time. <laughs> Let's go with magic, melee, missile, skill. Okay? All right. Uh, and so uh, each card, uh, there are four uh, actions. So you could just choose a regular uh, deck of cards. Mm -hmm. And then we just nominate one card is going to stand for this type of action. And what everyone does is um, they decide upon the type of action that they want to perform. And then they put their card face down. And once mm -hmm. everyone is ready, then the uh, GM will nominate someone. Mm -hmm. So someone will turn over their card first and we will see it. And let's just suppose, what would you choose? You can choose whatever you want. Uh, missile. All right. 
So suppose you perform a missile. Uh, so Victoria's going to perform a missile attack. Um, Austin's going to do a melee attack. Um, Erica's going to do a missile attack. And then I, as a GM, um, I'll do a magic attack. All right. And so because you went first, and we'll talk about why you went first, uh, your action types would all be resolved first. So the two missile attacks, yours, uh, Victoria's and Erica's, would be resolved before any of the other actions. And those would be resolved in order of skill. So um, although it's your action type that's being resolved, if Erica has a higher skill, then hers goes first and then yours. Mm -hmm. Then we move on to the next player in the order, and all of those action types are resolved in order of skill. Then we go on however long we need to. So it would go to um, Austin next. So it would be, uh, let's just suppose, um, Erica, missile attack, your missile attack, Austin's melee attack, me last, my magic attack. Mm -hmm. If the round had been different and if I, it had been my turn uh, to choose... Then in that round, uh, my magic attack would have gone first. Then we would have gone to you for a missile attack. But Erica would have gone before you. Then you. And then Austin would have finished up. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. All right. So as you can see, um, there is this variability to it, that indeterminacy that we talked about, which is based on skill. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, – but there is also possibly um, the deterministic component of it. And so this is where the pitch breaks off into these two different ways of thinking about initiative. Um, and one of them we'll call the strategy-based initiative. In the strategy-based initiative, you just go, say, clockwise. Mm -hmm. And so everybody knows who's going to be the next person who's going to start the round or the combat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, if it's you, mm -hmm. um, the, we the reason I'm calling it strategy is because you might think, well, I'm not a very good melee uh, attacker. But I know we have a really skilled melee attacker in the party, and I want to let them get their attack in before some monster attacks. Yeah. So I'm just going to go for a melee attack too. Yeah. So your melee attack will come late in the round. It won't matter much. But yeah. hopefully your big fighter can get the hit in. Yeah, especially if you notice that whatever the enemy is is doing something other than what you know will be first. If you want to do melee and you know someone's strong and they – the the NPC has been doing nothing but magic, you can say, oh, I'll do melee, and I know that that person will going to go before the magic user. So um, what, what character does Austin play? What's his uh, class in 5th uh, edition? Uh, Warlock. So if you're in a party with Warlocks, you know it's going to be Eldritch Blast every round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe you, uh, uh, if you want to try to beat that person, uh, then don't do an Eldritch Blast. So don't do the magic attacks, eh? Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so that's the general idea, and that's the the, the strategy version of it. Um, the other version, which we're calling the chaos of war, uh, <laughs> um, the chaos of war, chaos of war. Uh, it involves um, randomization, and so if we had four players, uh, we could roll a four sided die, um, or we could roll a, a twenty sided die and just count one, two, three, four, one, two, three, whatever. However, mm -hmm. we want to do it. Uh, and so the idea would be that the type not only um, yeah, so uh, the person whose action type, that the type of action type that gets resolved first, that would also be randomized. Um, all right, and so suppose that uh, we have four people again, uh, then maybe you, if I roll a 20-sider, uh, Victoria is, if it's if I roll a 1 through 5, she goes first. Her mm -hmm. action type is first. 6 through 10, Austin, 11 through 15, Erica, 16 through 20, me. Uh, and then we just resolve in the same way that we were talking about. Those action types are resolved first, and the first action that is resolved is the one uh, that has the highest skill. Um, and so what this gives us is a little bit of unpredictability or, yeah, unpredictability, mm -hmm. right? um, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
it's yeah. definitely seems the more realistic out of the two of them in a weird sense. I mean, you would strategize, I think, like if you know what you're doing and you know your party well, there would be an element of strate- like strategizing, but not in this sort of abstract, hey, I'll attack with my sword because then I know that that person will get to attack with their sword before me. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit more randomness to who can get to them first based on every element on the board. So I think that it seems the more realistic of the two. Yeah, uh, I right. So whenever combat uh, is, whenever you're running a combat, there are these kind of ab- it's abstracting something, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the same way that um, someone might want to hold off on their attack in order to let someone else, I don't know, like uh, suppose someone's doing really well with their shield, but in some games perhaps you can use your shield only against a certain number of opponents, mm-hmm. and then after that you don't get to use your shield. Uh, or the dodge ability is one that like you have to nominate uh, an opponent. I'll use my dodge against this person. Uh, and so if someone's doing that, then you might say, well, I'm going to hold off on my attack and let the really good fighter go, and they'll probably be able to bypass their shield, and then I will attack them without their shield, and I'll be in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and that, in the heat of combat, that might be a kind of weird thing to do. Like, oh, I'm not going to attack yet, even though I totally could take an attack at him. I'm going to wait until he does that, and then I'll attack. It, it's a bit of an abstraction. Uh, does that all make sense? And yeah. so what I'm saying here is that, <clears throat> right, it it's a weird kind of strategy maybe, but it's still strategy. Yeah. Um, okay, so the strategic approach or the chaos of war approach, um, which one would I use? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like them both. Maybe we'll experiment with both of them and see yeah. how it goes. It seems like they've both got their ups and downs, and that's you know true for everything in a system. Everything's got, depending on who the players are and how they work together, one will be better for a group or just more fun depending on what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, now, we didn't talk about the difficult stuff like um, multiple actions and... Stuff that doesn't come quite on your <clears throat> turn, like reactions to things, if that's part of the initiative order, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It's complicated. We're working it out. I'll just give you the general... Here's the the kind of teaser. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have the dice... If you basically don't have the dice... Uh, or the die, um, at least to do something, uh, then everything that you do is a, a kind of passive thing. So we wouldn't, you don't get to roll to dodge or anything like that, uh, right? So if you're not specifically dodging, you don't get to roll to dodge. It's just built into your defenses, or it's not because you're not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with parry, same with whatever, right? So um, if you don't have the dice to do it, it's just a passive thing. And that's then that's for um, sanity's sake. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't. So we don't have more and more and more roles uh, built into all this. All right. Uh, so that's the pitch. That's the pitch. And now we'll come back with hack and slash. Hack and slash. Uh, and this is the part of the show where <clears throat> Victoria uh, troubleshoots and tries to come up with some potential problems um, or raises some questions that maybe we need to clarify and address before we move on mm-hmm. uh, to the playtesting phase and beyond so uh any thoughts um i mean there is that question of ease versus um realism Mm -hmm. in this so i am a little concerned about like why group all of the melee together and all of the magic together because it seems like it's both more complex and not as realistic as a fight Mm -hmm. where things could possibly like it would be like hell on a, a battlefield and everything would be coming together um, so there is a question of why you might want to categorize like that beyond mm-hmm. just it being a way to strategize cleverly. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, right? So why not just do um, all the 
most high skilled maneuvers first, mm -hmm. and then the next skilled, and then the down to the least skilled. Um, I think that's a good question. Uh, one of the things that um, so although I think the chaos of battle is really cool uh, on the battlefield, I don't think it's cool for a DM trying to resolve all these that's, things. Okay. So, right? so <laughs> suppose that you have like uh, we've played with like six players at times, right? So suppose that you have six players. Um, and three of them, uh, their actions have to be resolved simultaneously. Uh, and then the, and those six players are fighting 20 goblins, goblins or something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, now I have to resolve, you know, I don't know, 20 attacks at the same time or something like that all simultaneously. Um, got to remember every dice <clears throat> roll cause it all counts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something to think about. Uh, and now, by the way, I mean, that could still happen. You could still have to resolve quite a few actions at the same time. Especially since there's only four, and if you've got multiple NPCs, I think would be the... Because normally parties don't get much bigger than, like, eight. And, I mean, the most you would get is eight character roles uh, yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, so what I would say is, sure, they, that could happen, and we could have to deal with them, but it does get that benefit of the simplicity would be in it's going to be fewer that are resolved simultaneously, and that might be less of a headache. Mm -hmm. We could try it. We could try it just fast, uh, highest in the order to lowest in the order. One of my concerns is about multiple action, uh, multiple action split die pool type stuff. Uh, so I didn't. Here's the a kind of quick preview of that, right? So um, if on your your skill level is plus three, so you're going to go first in the round, but you decide, hey, I'm actually only going to attack at plus two, and I'm going to use my other die to do something else. Um, so now you get bumped down in the order. Mm -hmm. Imagine if everyone... Uh, now, So now that's one piece of bookkeeping to think about. Uh, but if it's... Yeah, it could get complicated. It could yeah. still be complicated. I'm also thinking yeah. you're talking about resolving multiple. This guarantees that if you've got a party larger than four, you will have to have multiple attacks at the same time. So there is that to think about because there is only four actions. So there will be four groups that you'll have to contend with at the same time. But you've got a system for figuring it out in that order, though. Four that, groups? Uh, what do you mean just the action types? The, the melee missile mm -hmm. magic. Yeah, but someone might not do one or the other, right? So, like, everybody might do melee in a round, or everybody might do melee and missile or something. So, uh, yeah. So, um, in a large party, um, well, in a, no, in a large party, it won't be a guarantee that people resolve at the same time. Even if you have eight players, you oh, could have two do each action and one at a plus three, one at a plus one, whatever. So... Gotcha. So not necessarily. Uh, I'm so for. I'm not worried about simultaneous resolution. I mean, I, I think that's actually okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'm worried about the more bookkeeping that you have to do in order to call to bring that off. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, let's let's try it. My my thought is we'll try this and see how it works. Um, and if it and, and if the playing cards don't add a cool flavor to the game, then we'll just ditch them. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe they will. Mm. Yeah. People seem to like stuff like different stuff. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes if you've got to keep track of health tokens mm -hmm. and playing cards mm -hmm. and somebody's hat that spins that tells you what day of the week it is, like sometimes things can get. But I like the idea of visuals and like um, the idea of revealing at the same time or revealing like physically so you have a reminder what people are doing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool, and that could lead yeah. to some tense moments, like "Oh man, yeah, I hope we get an ish. I hope, like, I hope that this is going to get resolved beforehand. And if it's not your turn to decide, then that could be, that yeah, could be 
tense. Mm-hmm. And maybe combat should be more tense. I don't know. Maybe that'll be fun. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it'll be too nerve-wracking, uh, and we'll just have to scrap it. I feel like it would keep you more focused on what other players are doing, which... Oh, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, like that, at least with us, and mm-hmm. especially in my personal experience, combat's sort of the least interesting, because I let myself zone off while other people are doing actions because I shouldn't be able to influence it mm-hmm. but that might be a good way to like oh who's going to do melee am I going to do melee do I need to do magic this time like to, to think more about strategy in that sense mm-hmm. without just like whispering like hey do you want to you go right before me do you want to like do something and then I can do something like yeah and that's precisely why I did this good job no just kidding uh, yeah that's actually something that comes out of it that i think is pretty cool yeah um i like combat but not everybody does uh, yeah. and so maybe this will be something that incentivizes their paying attention right so um sometimes we you know sometimes we tell a story mm-hmm. uh in the course like a, a previous gaming experience and i thought that a good example of um poor party communication that led to a hilarious scene uh, happened when we were playing doom oh, yeah and so maybe do you want to tell that that story uh we you can tell it I okay think, yeah uh so um erica austin victoria playing doom uh and so i don't i i don't remember what Victoria and Erica were planning to do uh-huh. because all I remember is after they planned for a couple minutes like like a long time between actions uh we were really trying to figure out how we should approach this door and if somebody should die or not because in doom you can respawn mm-hmm. um and so Austin the person who were considering letting die because then he would come back with good gear mm-hmm. Ran through a door we had not yet opened, which does stuff in Doom. It, like, makes it possible for the monsters on the other side of the door to interact with you. And if it left unopened, they wouldn't be able to. So he runs through a door, picks up a gun token, (laughs) and then closes the door behind him, locking us in the back room. And I think we just stared at him. Like, did he not listen at all to the strategizing? And, like, we had engaged him. It wasn't just me and Mom talking, like, across him. We're like, do you think that we should do this? So, if yeah. You, yeah, if you want to. Well, I, I, that was a good example of where uh, there were two different conversations maybe going on, and one was just Austin thinking to himself, <laughs> and the other one was two people talking about what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for what it's worth, I was quite surprised when he, he said he would close the door behind him because he essentially sealed himself in a room in order to die, which is – bold and heroic yeah. and all that cool stuff but it also completely undid the plan that yeah. the, the rest of the party had come up with uh and so uh i think the idea of the party sort of being incentivized to collaborate a little bit more um mm-hmm. that could be fun yeah yeah could be a lot of fun um and i'm trying to think now will it be more exciting uh if we know what character is going to uh determine the action resolution um, or if it's totally random uh, that could be fun. So that could we'll, be fun. We'll figure out which one um, works more interestingly. Yeah. Um, okay, so why uh, two pitches or two versions of the pitch? Um, on, on one hand, this is a, a universal system, like a generic system uh, that should be able to handle multiple um, settings, multiple um, styles of play. Uh, and so because of that, I don't like to prescribe the way, right? So if I think that there are these two valuable ways of doing it, then I'll just tell you, hey, try this one. And if you don't like that one, try this other one. Uh, so we're going to – I think we're going to try the one where we go in a determinate order first just because it's a little easier. Mm-hmm. And if people are 
uh, catching on and kind of enjoying it and say, hey, why don't we try the other one now where uh, we, we roll randomly and, and see what's up. Yeah. Uh, and we'll employ that method. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Cool. You know what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? I think we're about done. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we're pretty good with this episode. Good yeah. job. We did pretty all right. <laughs> we did a pretty good job for coming back from that hiatus. Um, both of our uh, both of us have a semester that's beginning. Uh, yeah. And so um, that might sound bad, but it's probably better for us because we'll be on a better schedule, uh, a more consistent schedule. I think holiday stress really uh, and finals of the end of the last semester just really wore us down. And But it's good to have the new energy of a new semester oh, driving us on. Beautiful. Just like that spinning hat that tells the days of the week. Whatever that meant, by the way. <laughs> Ridiculous things that you tend to accrue gotcha. in in RPG uh, gimmicks. Or not gimmicks, but, you know, additional things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we'll hopefully get this posted. I don't know. Um, if we get it posted... Uh, by Friday, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, if not, maybe Friday after. Uh, but you should be hearing this within the next nine days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we should be on a schedule of getting them out every two weeks. And um, this was I for... Initiative. And the next one um, is going to be J for... Yeah. We're not sure. Um, we don't know yet. One possibility is that it will be J for James... Who was the guy? No, I mean, not to throw him under a bus, but he was supposed to do an interview for uh, I, and that's that interview kind of fell through, and so we didn't end up doing it. Uh, that's not his fault. Mm-hmm. I should have had a better contingency in place, but I didn't. Uh, so maybe James will do um, an interview at some point and talk about some of his stuff. Uh, but if not, and, well, at some point he certainly will. Maybe it'll be the next one. Uh, but if not, uh, we'll be into uh, Jay, and we'll have something fun to do for Jay. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be looking ahead. I've got plans beyond Jay, but we'll wait on those. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So what we've done today is we discussed initiative, more or less the idea of who gets to go first, but we're thinking of it as who gets to resolve the res- uh, resolve their action first. Um, and then we talked about a couple ways that different games handle it. Uh, we talked about determinate versus indeterminate systems. Uh, we gave the pitch with two variations. Uh, the uh, kind of determinate order and then skill-based kind of resolution within that, um, or the one where it's just the, the chaos of war, where we just roll randomly and whoever's up, that's the action type that is resolved first, blah, blah, blah. Did a little bit of troubleshooting um, in the hack and slash. For what it's worth, we did a lot of the troubleshooting, was that two days ago? Yeah. Yes, uh, two days ago. Uh, and we were able to work out some of the bugs that we had uh, in yeah. place. Um, and we're in pretty good shape with that now, I think. So we're going to play the uh, play test this, um, and then uh, we'll see how it goes, and then we'll report back. So this has been Dungeon Chatter, and I have been and remain Travis. I have been and remain Victoria, and this has been Dungeon Chatter. Hey there. Thanks for your patience over the holidays. Like Dad and I said, we just really needed a bit of a hangout with friends and family, and our free time to work on this was eaten up. But anyway, we're back, and we want to say thank you for listening to Episode 9. 
If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at DungeonChatter.com or follow us on Twitter at at DungeonChatter. And if you like our show, it'd be super cool if you left a review on iTunes and told your friends who are also into RPG stuff or maybe just curious about RPG stuff. Or maybe completely indifferent to RPGs entirely, but you think might still enjoy this. We definitely appreciate it. Our next episode, J is for... Possibly J is for James, will be out in two weeks on Friday, January 25th. So we hope to see you then. Thanks again for listening.